Welcome to the Soul Life Podcast. My name is Srili Fruchter, and if you're ready to start living your soul life, then you've come to the right place. This is the Rav Kook Chabura, Finding Your Life. Let's get into it. Awesome. All right, guys, welcome to the first Chabura for um, Find Your Light, the Rav Kook Chabura. I was really thinking what I love learning and I was thinking about Rav Cook and I was realizing that there are so few like classes or lessons that really focus on the thought of Rav Cook in the deeper way. Rav Cook's really known for his Zionism and for things related to that, but him in terms of his philosophy of life, of the soul, and I think of the things that give life a lot of a, a lot more, a lot more of a richness and a flavor, it's he's really not given enough attention in. So here's a really nice picture I saw of someone who tweeted if Rav Cook was an eagle who would fly out late at night singing tunes. And I just felt it was very befitting of the, the soul part of Rav Kook. It's a little bit more unconventional uh, and out there, which I relate to, hippie side, you know? Okay, great. So the first piece that I wanted to start with for us today is one of my absolute favorites. And I think before really looking at it, I was speaking to by David Aaron recently, uh, actually, I think it was yesterday. And the thing that he was talking about Rav Kook in regard to Rav Kook is that a lot of times people approach Jewish thinkers or Rav Kook specifically and think, wow, that's a really nice idea. It gives me inspiration. It's so cute. But for Rav Kook, really, his ideas are not so much of a cute idea as they are a shita. It's a system. It's a perspective he has when he's viewing the world that if you want to look at the world through the contact lenses of Rav Kook, so to speak, you're looking at him through these ideas. And this piece in specific, I think, really sets up what this whole system looks like, what in his view is how you understand the world and what are the baseline foundations. Uh, and that's why for the Chabura, it's about aligning with your true self, really accessing the higher consciousness, accessing your best life, and opening yourself up to blessing and abundance and all those things that people are really after, and they may not be able to put a specific label to. Um, so maybe we'll switch off a bit between the Hebrew and the English. I do think there's a beauty to the Hebrew. It can be a little bit trippy sometimes because of how he's very poetic. He does not really write in prose. It's just not his style. I think he takes lofty ideas and dresses them up in even loftier garments. And that's just Riff Cook for you. So we'll just jump right in. Uh, the first piece is from Shmonak Vatsim. It's from his eight notebooks. It's in the last notebook, the eighth one. Uh, and he starts off, Kishishochachim at, oh, one second. Kishishochachim at Taneshama Ha'atzmit. When we forget the individual soul, when we stop paying attention to the inner life of a person, everything becomes confusing and unclear. For of Cook right now, he's making a really absolutist statement. Every problem that comes about in our life is from forgetting the self. That tshuva harishit and the, pri the primary teshuva, and teshuva usually we understand as repentance, as more of a Christian idea of what that means. You know, you sin, you do bad, and you come back to being a good person. Uh, and I purposely didn't translate it here because I think that what Rav Kook will unfold for us is a much deeper idea of what teshuva really is and how he views this not just as a nice concept or a part of Judaism, but as its essence. That tshuva harishit shehim ira et hamachchichim miyad he sheyashuv adam el atzmo. And the primary teshuva that immediately illuminates the deep darkness is when man returns to himself, to the source of his soul, and immediately he returns to God, 
to the soul of all souls, and you will go and march further, much higher in holiness and purity. That for a cook right now, the problems in our lives are arising very simply from a lack of self-awareness. And a lot of times what I guess you can classify them as boomers will often say is look at the problems of society today. Everyone's so focused on the self, self-help, how do I get myself this and all these different things. But for a cook, that's actually not the case. The fact that we are in this journey of trying to understand ourselves, and we'll get into what the self he's referring to really is, is in itself actually how we come to clarify life in a way that takes away all that darkness, takes away all the things that are compressing us and holding us back, and allows us to find the light, to find the clarity, to find the things that's guiding us forward. And by the way, anyone, if you have any questions or comments in the middle, feel free to just like unmute, raise your hand, whatever you feel comfortable with. I uh, really want to make this as collaborative as possible. Um, and that's why Furuf Cook, Teshuva, he says, is this mechanism of clarity. It's this mechanism of accessing a different point in your life. That when you're in that place of confusion, I think we can all pick whether it's you know choosing a job, making certain choices in our life, things that are very consequential and really scary. It can almost feel like you're suffocated from the darkness. That you don't know what to do. You don't know what's right. You're not sure what, what your values align with, what will be in your best interest, what will be. There's so much uncertainty within that. I think that's representative of darkness. Right? It's a deep darkness for Ofkuk. It's not just darkness itself, but it's the epitome of what it means to feel like you don't know what to do with your life. In other words, what we could call a midlife crisis, when everything just feels like it's shattered, when there's a crisis going on in your life and you don't know what to do. So for Ofkuk, even more so, when you hit these points that you're not sure what to do in your life, that you feel like you need guidance, that you feel like things are not in alignment, you're not searching outside of yourself, which is a really, really important thing. Because a lot of times we'll hear the phrase, fake it till you make it. But for Rav Cook, in the words of Rev Aaron, it's fake it till you awake it. It's reaching inside of yourself to find the answers. That the answers are not going to be found without you. They're not going to be found somewhere on a mountain, somewhere on a cliff, or some space outside of the proximity of your body. That when you turn inwards, that's where all the answers really are. But for Rav Cook, even more so, you're not just turning inwards in a personal way, like, oh, to my character, that's really fruchter. That when I look at this really fruchter, I find the answers because it's really fruchter is finite. I was born and I'm going to die. There's, a, there's a, a finitude to me. That's why Rav Cook actually links the individual to God. That when you turn inwards, you're actually opening yourself up to infinity. That when you delve into the finite of yourself, of your own identity, you open yourself up a doorway to the divine. And that's why you find God. And Rav Cook uses the term Ha'elokim. That's the, one of the names of God that represents multiplicity. It represents diversity. It represents the different powers and ways Hashem manifests in the world in the trees, in the ocean, in the principles, in the science, really in every single part for him. And that's why he refers to Shem as nishmat kol nishamot. The same way our body has a soul, our soul has a soul. And the soul of our soul is God. That we often think of God as, again, outside of us. He's some being somewhere out there in the sky. He's transcendent. He's different. He's outside of ourselves. For of Cook, again, that's not true. God is within and beyond and everything. And I think as he leads into the next part, we see that this actually adds more complications. That just from what we have right here, Rav Cook very simply is telling us, when you don't have clarity in your life, when you forget your individual self, when you don't have your priorities in order, when you don't know what you want or what you're after, life is constraining and it's suffocating. And the way to remedy that, the way to remedy that is to search back in yourself and to find the part of yourself that's infinite. The part of yourself that's a, that's a spark of God that in Hasidus it's called Elokav Mimal, Elokav Elokav Mimal, that you're a piece from God above. And to access that point, and there is where you're going to find the answers you're craving. You're going to find that peace of mind that you're looking for. 
And as he goes onwards, it's not just the individual that has this, because I think that we can understand this in a way and say, it's my personality. When I understand my personality, then I'm really going to have all the answers. But it's not really the case, because you'll see what Rukhuk says in the next part. Erev Cook says this is relevant not just for a person. It's not like when I understand Suli Fruchter, then I'm going to have all the answers. But he says it's also relevant to a nation. It's relevant to all of humanity, to all of existence. That the destruction of the world comes when you think of everything that's wrong in life, all the people that are angry, that are hurting, that are hurting other people, hurting themselves, all the parts of life that don't make sense, that are clearly disordered, all the chaos that's being wrecked and the havoc that's across the world. Rav Cook, is, Rav Cook says very simply, it's because everything and everyone has forgotten itself. And again, the self, we're moving away from a personal idea. If we were just talking about humans, and we can understand this maybe to say, when I really understand Srili Fruchter, I understand what's going on, but there's something deeper than Srili Fruchter. And it's an idea of consciousness. It's an idea of what the soul is. That the soul is not a personality. That the way of Aaron, uh, my rabbi from Araita, taught it to us, is you don't have a soul, you are a soul. That the essence of who you are, the part of yourself that's been experiencing every part of your life, is the essence of you. That if you rewind the clock 10 years ago, you weren't the same person you are today. But if you think about that, it's a little bit strange. How can you? not be the same you that you were 10 years ago. Because there are two different parts to ourselves. There's a character, there's a personality. That personality is Srili Fruchter, that personality is Sam, that personality is Sarah, Mommy and Shoshi, and every, every person in the world. But being beneath that is the self. That when someone passes away, their body still remains. All the physical parts, the remnants of who they were remains. All the neurons, all the parts of their brains, all those things, but the consciousness, the essence of who they were, that's what leaves, because that is what animates a person. But for Rav Kook, that soul is a part of God that actually animates everything, that even a nation has a soul. It has God animating through it, that the light of God shines through it. Humanity has God shining through humanity. Existence is engendered and generated by Hashem. You could almost imagine an ocean, and that within the ocean, the particles of the water reassemble to create different structures. That it's the ocean that is powering those things, that we are each a drop in that ocean. And that drop is the soul. That's truly who we are. And Rukuk goes onwards to say something really radical and really extreme that shapes this idea, I think, even further, and also gives us an insight into, into Teshuvah, which he had mentioned earlier. And if you say that you really want to return to God, you want to do teshuva, you want to repent, I sinned, hit my chest, God, I'm so bad, let me come back to you. But you're not prepared to return to yourself. This is a deceitful teshuva. That you're taking God's name in vain, which is crazy. Rav Kook just said, if you want to return to God, but you're not ready to return to yourself, that is a fake teshuva. That what you're doing is not a Jewish idea. And it's not only is it not effective, it's actually harmful to God. You are actually damaging God's name. Because a lot of times what we imagine is that religion is me revoking my identity, revoking myself. And religion is me taking away my identity, 
stepping outside of myself, getting lost in the flow and just nullifying myself. I'm nothing. There is nothing to me. Or if Cook says is that if you lose your sense of self, if you don't recognize that you are a soul that's a part of God, if you don't recognize the power within yourself, your personal power and the path laid out for you, and you want to return to God, then you're fooling yourself because that's not, it's not legitimate. It's not real. That the way you access God is through yourself. That you need to be authentic to yourself, authentic to your will, to the structure of your life, to your experiences, to your background, to all the things that are pushing you forward. And it's through those points, through embracing yourself, through embracing your soul's place in this world, letting the soul come into play, letting the soul be in the driver's seat, that you actually bring God with you and you find God in your life and you return to your truest self. It's really, can I ask, when you said it's ineffective for God and like, I think the word you used was harmful, it seems unclear to me at least how something can be harmful to God or like in what sense Rav Cook intends that to be taken. Yeah, so he refers to it as, a, as you're taking God's name in vain. And I think it actually ties in really well with the idea that if we view God as an entity outside of ourselves, that there's kind of God, this is God of some spirit outside of myself mm-hmm. and there's really and there's God, then there really isn't a way that I can affect him. But if we understand Rav Cook, and even in that first part we looked at, that my soul is an expression of God in a sense, right? That God is the soul of my soul, then I'm mm-hmm. a part of God. And the way that I affect myself is in some sense actually affecting God. That I'm, an, mm-hmm. I'm a limited fracture of God. I'm, I'm a component, I'm a compressed version or an expression of God. That if God were the sun, I'd be a ray of his light. And if that ray of light right. decides not to shine, well, then the sun is, so to speak, being harmed because a part of itself refuses to plug in, refuses to kind right. of let the ray shine forth. Does that make more sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, it's reminded me a lot of like the same thing that you were saying about um, having a soul versus like being a soul. Or, or it sounds like the whole like uh, Western philosophy being epistemological and in Jewish philosophy often being ontological. hundred percent. I completely agree. And I think it's like that. That's the whole shift, I think, because I think if the starting point is I'm Cerulean, I have a soul, then the question just becomes like, what is it? And is it you know, fundamental? And how does it relate to my identity and all these other parts? And is it, is it external for me? Because it's not my essence. But when you kind of shift it and say that it is the essence, then the point becomes not why would I want to listen to my soul, but why would I not want to listen to myself? That whatever mm-hmm. I'm doing, if it's not in line with the soul, then fundamentally, I'm not in alignment with myself. But the true self, as you're pointing out, is the fact that is a soul. The true self really is the soul. And when you kind of, you can almost imagine it as like, imagine a house and there are different frames for the windows. If I shine the sun through it, right? How can I make sure that the sun, the sun shines through in the most clear way possible? If I do a little hole or I do a certain picture, or a certain frame, and that's kind of like the soul in a way that the soul wants to shine through my life. But if I close my windows and I close my curtains, which by the way, can have a different structure than your curtains or your windows in that analogy, and it's very different. If you kind of board up what your will is and what you're really after, then you end up chasing dreams that aren't yours. And you end up living a life that's not yours. And the life could be amazing. And that's, I think, really why no one has the right or the authority to investigate someone else's life. Because if it's all based on the soul, I think there's two points in that. One, who's to say that one part of God is greater than another part of God, right? It's, it all comes down to, at the end of the day, you're a piece of God. You know, who can say which part of infinity is greater than the other? But more than that, 
It's that I don't know how your soul is supposed to shine in the world. So your teshuva, your returning back to yourself will not be returning back to myself because we're different parts of God. We're different expressions. And my, my role in this world is to shine the light of Srili. Yours is to shine the light of Sam. And it's that soul that shines through it. And Rav Kook takes it further in the last part where he kind of takes this idea of teshuva, that you're returning back to God, you're returning back to the soul of your soul. And again, he's expanding it because it's not just humans that have souls, but every part of the world, in a sense, has a soul. I read this beautiful piece from a Kabbalist in Israel who passed away three years ago called the Chaban, the, the milkman, was a very interesting person. And he was explaining how even the rocks have a silent prayer to return to God, that every part of the world is just yearning for teshuva. It's yearning for self-expression. And when you look at nature, that's why nature, people find such connection there because nature in a, in a sense is an expression of God. It would often be said, I was taught that with idolatry, I mean, what was going on? People went up to trees and they're like, wow, you're God. Not quite. We don't struggle with that. We don't struggle with idolatry because we're not as spiritual as them. That They would go to a tree and feel God's essence shining through. And they would mistakenly believe the tree is the source of that essence. The tree is God. The idol is God, as opposed to seeing the godliness within it and seeing where the extension cord goes to, they just saw that's the generator. That's where the original source is. And I think it comes, it becomes really clear in this part over here. Al-Kain, rak be'emet ha'gdola shal tshuva el atzmo yashuv ha'adam ba'am ha'olam v'kola olamim ha'avayakula el kona l'or b'or ha'chayim. Therefore, only in the great truth of tshuva to himself Man and the nation will return, the world and all worlds, all of existence to God, to the light and the light of life. That everything is almost like becoming a little bit more transparent. And it's letting the godliness shine through, which is the truest self-expression that what would a godly nation look like? What would a nation look like if they understood we are a piece of God? And what that means is that we're trying to channel justice, peace, equality, love into the world. And we're not trying to just have greed. And we're not trying to just conquer for the sake of conquering. What would it look like if every person said that? If the whole world could say that, if all the world, all the perceptions we have, if that all became the case, that for every perception in the world, every way that we view the world, it was always through the lens, what does my soul want to manifest right now? Does my soul want to manifest pain? Does it want to manifest love? Does it want to manifest kindness? Or does it want to manifest anger and hate and derision? Cook says further, haraz shel oro shel Mashiach. This is the secret of the messianic light. Hofat nishmat haolam. The soul of the world appears. That in its illumination, in the messianic illumination, in that clarity that's going to come to the world, the world will, will return to the root of existence. For Hashem and the light of God will be revealed upon it. And from the source of this great teshuva, man will be drawn to the holy life of teshuva in its truth. That Rav Cook is imagining, he's almost even telling us now, what does that mean when we say messianic times? We think of that sometimes as some guy's going to come riding on a horse, and he's going to open some mountains, he's going to proclaim, guys, I'm the Messiah, follow me into the better life. Cook is saying that that's not exactly what we're talking about. What we're talking about is a newfound awareness and consciousness in the world. And you can almost even think about that now. Rewind the clock 700 years ago. If you have gone to someone and spoken about human rights, I think they'd laugh in your face. 
they'd laugh in your face. Most people probably would. Sure, some people have rights, other people don't have rights. And you look today and you think, are things perfect? Absolutely not. But if you walked around America and you spoke about human rights, people ask like it's a foreign concept. Is there more of a clarity we understand that there is an inherent worth to human beings? That human beings fundamentally, their sense of self, their worth is rooted in the fact that they are a piece of God. That the same way we have halachot, that we have laws against breaking down trees or breaking down things needlessly, just destroying forests for the sake of destruction, it's in the same idea that we're meant to be gardeners of ourselves, gardeners of the world, gardeners of each part of the world. And that's really the idea of Hooker's painting, that the true self, he says, is that you are a part of God. And that when you live in alignment with that truth, when you live in alignment with the fact that you are an expression of Hashem, and you try to shine that into the, into the world, then everything becomes clear. That it all makes sense. Everything becomes very simple. Because the question then becomes not what do I want? What are my values? What will give me this thing or that thing? It simply becomes, what does God want of me right now? What do I, in the deepest part of myself, want for myself? Because if I'm a part of God, then what that really means is that if I was self-aware, my will and God's will would be indistinguishable. That I don't have to change my will to become God's will. I have to realize my will is actually God's will. At the part of ourself that's yearning for something deeper, for greater, for happiness, for all these different points of life that we think about. And you think about it just throughout history. What are the things that never go out of style? We all want love. We all want peace. We all want happiness. We all want meaning. That's the soul's natural calling. That's the general expression of the soul saying, I want to be found in the world. I want to make a place for myself in this space. What that means specifically depends on your character. That depends on what Julie Fruchter's background is, what my tools are, what my access points are. And that's, I think, very much the idea of what Rav Cook means in aligning with your true self. So that's the first piece that I want to look at right now. Any questions or comments on that you want to share? Okay, awesome. Um, there's one other piece I wanted to look at very quickly, and I think we can kind of wrap up for today. Um, this is a piece from Arplay Tohar. I believe whenever of Cook would daven Shimona Esrei, he had a notebook with him that he would just write thoughts that came to him during that meditation, and these are part of that collection. So here of Cook writes, Kol olamot mitgalim All worlds are revealed within the soul. And this is going to really touch on what we said before on the fact that all the answers that I need in my life are found within myself, are found through my realization of my connection to God. And the more that we delve deeper into the inner knowledge of the contents of the soul, the more you become self-aware, the more you become aware of the truths of the world. The soul of the world, of the world. And the soul of the world and the light of all life's source is revealed more to the extent that the world's revelation expands in the contents of the individual soul until the light of God shines upon man because of the greatness of his introspection into his soul. And so obviously, like even the English here is really choppy and poetic, and that's just the nature of Rav Kook, because he's, I think, trying to put words to the ineffable. But here he's saying the same thing. You want to understand the deepest secrets of the world, the deepest truths that animate reality? The answers are within you. That you're not reaching out into foreign fields, trying to climb on mountains. That it goes within a deep sense of self-awareness. 
that when we talk about understanding the self, that people want that, that people want alignment, that they want to be their best self, their highest self, in their deepest, in their deepest words, they want to return to God. They want to be that part of God's self-expression. And I think in a way that we're all here being self-aware as an individual, but also self-aware in a sense of God. That when I become self-aware as of myself as a ray of God's light, God, in a sense, gains greater self-awareness through me, through, through the limited part of God that takes place in the world. Um, and I think that just kind of tiring together right now. What that leaves us with now is the framework of what Rav Cook believes is the essence of Judaism, the essence of life. Simply put it, self-awareness. That if you want your life to be in alignment, to be flowing, to just feel in the flow, to just feel happy, to feel like you're at peace. And you think about it, what is the number one thing people say when they're in a really bad mood, really angry, really sad, possibly depressed? I don't feel like myself. Because we have an intuitive knowing that our self is naturally happy. Our self is naturally joyful and good and caring and kind. That our self wants to bring those things to the world and wants to leave that imprint there. And I, think, and I find that personally very reassuring in the idea that, again, I'm not chasing outside of, I don't need to change myself. I have to realize myself. That it's not oppression, it's expression. And that is really at the crux of, for of Cook at least, what Torah and Hashem are, are driving us towards.